0: We've ramped up our communication to our fan base so that we, you know, we stay connected with them so that they don't, you know, they don't fall off the journey. They're they're on the train and we're, you know, we're going all the way to the Premier League. What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy?
1: New Sam Allardyce liked me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Imagine being a kid in primary school, now <laughs> it's a <put> <laughs> awesome. Powerful people and I think they need to recognise that, but then also they need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing that fans uh, at on you know one single source of revenue alone that, that being the TV so in a league let's just win this to appease the fans. Welcome to the What the Footy podcast. The podcast takes football fans behind the scenes so far on the podcast I've had managers, players and agents Trust me when I say this is my biggest episode so far. Today I'm joined by Anna Mitchell. Anna is the Chief Commercial Officer at Portsmouth Football Club, where she's been working for the past six years. She's a leader within her field and uh, and an example to all young people trying to get into sport. Anna, it's a pleasure having you on the podcast today.
0: Thank you for having me. Delighted to join you. Yeah,
1: so obviously you've added a new segment to the podcast, which is What the Footy Are You Lying For? So could you, uh, please take me through your uh, two truths, one life.
0: Certainly, yeah. So um, when I was younger, I played uh, played rugby with uh, with the boys' team. So I did that for a good six, seven years. Also worked with um, a member of, the royal the member of the royal family. And every now and again, um, my guilty pleasure is I, I dress up as Nelson, the mascot, on a match day here at Fratton Park.
1: Dress up as the mascot. Mascot. Um,
0: you can tell I look, you know, I, I do. I have that kind of rugby player look. Yeah,
1: and know. I believe, yeah, I believe the rugby one because I know you used to work uh, for, for a rugby team, didn't you? Um, so I'm going to say that's you the did. truth. Um Mascots, oh, I don't know how tall you are because I can't tell because you're sitting down because mascots are quite short. <laughs> um, so...
0: Our Nelson's quite tall. He's, he's, he's quite, quite tall, tall oh, Nelson. You're, I think
1: you're, you're bluffing there. So I'm going to say that's the... But then you said you had your colleagues help you out, so... Worked with a Royal Family member doing what, sorry?
0: So, yeah, work yeah work with a Royal, yeah, member of the, uh, the Royal Family. Associated
1: member. I think that's believable. Especially the fact that you're working on the commercial side. But I think the mascot one is alive, but we'll find out towards the, uh, the end of the episode, but, but let's let's get into it. I thought obviously it'd be great to have you on the podcast because as fans, you don't really get to hear from people like yourselves far too often. Um, the commercial side of a football club is obviously a big revenue, revenue generating stream. Uh, and I thought obviously it'd be great to obviously find out. Uh, let's go back to when you first started in 2014 and uh, the sort of areas that you've been covering over the last six years, because obviously commercial can, can be quite a broad area, whether that's sponsorship, merchandising, partnerships. What's been your main focus uh, the Football Club?
0: Over the years, the focus is kind of yeah. continually um, to change. The, the business has changed hugely in the, in the last six years. So when I joined back in 2014, the club had recently come out of administration um, kind of as late as sort of 2013. Mm-hmm. The fans just taken ownership of the club as well, so we were a fan-owned club. Um, And it was all about rebuilding and and restarting that journey and getting people engaged, because I know that the uh, during the administration, the, the attendance dropped off hugely, so they had around about 8,000 season ticket holders, which, it, which is huge still. Um, we work on around about 14 and a half at the moment. So it was about re re-growing, building the club back up from the foundations, and, and really for me in terms of the sponsorship role, you know, re-engaging with businesses because it was really tough at the start. There was a lot of businesses that had kind of had their fingers burnt by the club and lost money and, you know, it was, it was one of those old fashioned, give us your money, we'll put your brand on the front of the shirt, and we'll talk to you in three years time when you need when we need your money again. So it was really changing the way we did sponsorship. And for me personally, i would learned a lot from rugby because um, the club that I worked at Gloucester Rugby, it was, it was a sustainable club. So you know, every pound we earned was a pound that we could spend. So you really had to look after your sponsors, you had to kind of, um, you know, show the return on investment and make sure that there was a really strong marketing team to deliver for them so i kind of you know brought those experiences into portsmouth and uh, you know started them from yeah, there really obviously
1: you mentioned a key point there with the club being fan-owned and even at the time it was the largest fan-owned club within, within the english game how has dynamics almost evolved from when it was fan-owned to now obviously the last 3 years been owned by by the eisners
0: yeah so yeah, in the the early days, being owned by the fans was was fantastic. you know they they were very um, very involved in the club and it also allowed yeah there was a period of time where before my time, but the club became very detached from the fan base so the owners you know wouldn't engage and speak to the fans. So it was great to sort of have a reset and have the fans you know back in charge. There were obviously challenges to that, but there were also a lot of positives. Um, and then, really, yeah, with the Eisners taking over, it just taking it to the next level. I think it's fair to say the fans did an amazing job of of rebuilding the football club and getting it to a point where, you know, they couldn't really take it any further. It needed that real investment in. So the Eisners, you know, they have the same um, philosophy for the club in terms of it has to be run in a sustainable manner. It has to be a community club. Um, you know, we have to, to really engage with our fan base, um, and you know, let them have their input. But it means that we can have the investment to to add into it. So, for example, you know, the first year when they came in, we invested. You know, we had the capital to invest in a new Pompey store for our merchandise and we did a a new deal with Nike. So, you know, that was fantastic. They, um, you know, we invested in a brand new big screen, which, you know, really helped deliver for sponsors and actually changed the match day experience. So having that capital behind us to invest in those key things to to help enhance the fan experience is is vital.
1: Yeah, and and also you mentioned, obviously, the night deal there. Talk me through, obviously, being able to land like a big, obviously, uh, Kit Partner and Nike, it's, it's not quite common for clubs, especially at the sort of League One level. You've also got Domino's as well, big pizza brand under your belt as well. How, how did you guys sort of work on work on securing those big deals?
0: I think, you know, over, over the last sort of six years, we've, you know, we've obviously really built the team behind the scenes. So invested heavily in our social and digital team. Um, in our marketing team and our sponsorship account management team as well so i've got a fantastic team you know beneath me who do who do all the work really so they make me look good yeah. um so that's how you can kind of attract so we worked hard on the on the brand of Portsmouth so we you know we've rebranded a couple of times since i've been here so you know we are we are a hard-working football club, so but we, you know, we have a, a great way of how we portray ourselves as well as, you know, a quite corporate um, you know, and professional in in the way we do things. So Nike was a really good deal because we'd been with Sondico for five years. Um, the fans, you know, the fans wanted that premium brand. So um, it was kind of an easy, an easy decision to make and, and Nike were willing to kind of work with us as well as a company called Just Sport who actually run all of our, um, the merchandise inside for us. So it's a real true three-way partnership. And obviously, you know, Michael um, Eisner obviously knows all the top people at uh, at nothing, mm, yeah. they've worked for him at Disney at some point. So, you know, he always uh, is able to kind of pick up the phone and have a quiet word in the ear of someone. So um, that always helps too.
1: No, and, and also you mentioned obviously earlier before that about re-engaging sponsors. You, you were previously involved. How hard and difficult was it to sell the vision of the new direction the club is moving in? Because as we know, football fans can be very disillusioned, frustrated. And I think especially a club like Portsmouth, which is a huge club within the Premier League, has been away for quite a while. How difficult and how hard was it? Was it to almost engage the fans again to purchase the season tickets, to engage the sponsors, to spend money? Um.
0: Yeah, I think it was all, it, it was kind of easy because we were on a new journey so I think you know yeah. with the fans ownership everybody had a you know had a kind of stake in the club and it was honestly it was incredible that you know that number of fans many fans that all put their thousand pounds in to buy a share in the football club um, was incredible and then there were also a number of um, presidents that were kind of high net worth fans that put um, anywhere between sort of, you know, 50,000 to, you know, to half a million in. So that was incredible as well. So it was just the whole city and community that came together to save their football club. So in terms of the vision and the dream, it was easy to get people on, you know, on the um, on the journey. Um, and, you know, we were lucky. We also got promoted from league, league Two up to League One. So that was kind of, you know, the perfect way for the fans to finish their uh, their reign of ownership but obviously you know i found that some some sponsors you know were caught up in the past you just had to draw a line and then you had to also get some fresh blood in so you mentioned domino's you know they they've been here for a long time so they were one of our kind of newer sponsors that came in and more recently as well we've got the university of portsmouth that's a front of shirt sponsor so we're we're entering third year this year with those guys and we've just signed up a new um back of shirt sponsor this year as well which is um total AB which is an antivirus um, company that are locally based as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really good. And it's nice to get local businesses involved in the football club and take them on the journey.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think linked to that as well is that, especially obviously in light of COVID, we've, we've obviously matched their revenue depleting and over-reliance on, on broadcasting as well. What's the future for, for the commercial side of a football club and, and how do you almost see new waves almost evolving to to really help grow and take football clubs like, like Portsmouth to the next level. Things that you know
0: diversifying and um you know keeping on trend with things and and keep changing with the time so for us you know we're, we're no longer able to kind of sell season tickets so we created a new flexi season ticket for fans to give them more flexibility so that we're not asking them to to you know part with a big chunk of money and not be able to see you know some of the games so i think you know again diversifying on what the season ticket offering is we have our iFollow streaming platform, so live streaming games. The last two years, we've put a lot of re- resource into kind of promoting that with the EFL and you know making sure that fans do buy on a Tuesday night for the displaced fixtures, um, anything outside of a three o'clock on a Saturday. So this season, um, the three o'clock blackout has been removed. So we're really focusing on selling as many um, digital streaming passes as possible. So that's that's huge for us. And also social media. So, in terms of delivering for sponsors, looking at paid advertising that goes through the, the football club but delivers that message for our, on behalf of our sponsors.
1: No, definitely, and I think the point you mentioned there as well was, um, I think the EFL did a deal uh, this, this this coming season whereby uh, teams can now stream their night individual games. How how much of a big obviously deal is that for, for Portsmouth and not, like bringing in more, more revenue as well?
0: yeah it's huge and actually it's been huge the last couple of years as well you know we we're one of the top streamers um you know, the match passes that we sell and also international streaming as well so yeah that's huge for us we you know we massively buy into technology and, and need, know the need that you know, people consume content in a completely different way now and we need to be you know we need to be able to offer that service so you know the fact that you can watch the game know on your phone so yeah last saturday i streamed the stevenage game and i I watched it on my phone at home as i didn't go to the game so the quality of the the product is really good and it is really engaging and it continues to improve year on year which is great so yeah i think we've just got to be able to commercialize and monetize every platform possible and also you know ensure that we continue to engage with our fans as well especially during covid You know, the fact that we haven't seen them for you know nearly six months it's you know it's crazy but during the um, the lockdown period and yeah, and the period now, we've had the most engagement across our social platforms, across our email platforms. You know, we've ramped up our communication to our fan base so that we, you know, we stay connected with them so that they don't, you know, they don't fall off the journey. They're they're on the train and we're, you know, we're going all the way to the Premier League. Yeah,
1: and, and, and I think that's a really key point because part of the reason why I set this podcast was to almost get that dialogue going between fans and um, people like yourselves and people who work behind the scenes because fans at times can feel like they're treated as consumers when really, I think fan engagement is really important. And obviously I love the the fact that you mentioned uh, fan engagement as well. And it'd be good to obviously know what other fan engagement initiatives you guys have in place to to almost uh, help and support fans.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, we've um, we're very heavy on how we support fans. So yeah, pre, well, even during uh, during COVID, we've we've done all of our supporter conference meetings where usually Mark, our CEO, myself, and Tony, our chief operating officer, we would go in person and we'd meet with the fan group and we'd discuss our ideas. We've actually just had phone yeah. calls throughout the summer. So things like what we're going to do with the season tickets and creating the flexi season ticket. Those guys have been involved in that decision making process with us. You know, we've taken their feedback and that that feedback's gone into the end product. So I think it's key that, you know, our fans, they feel part of the football club and that they're treated with with respect and you know we understand their kind of needs and their wants so that we can build that into the products and services that we, we can offer offer them rather than trying to dictate them that you know this is what we're gonna do mm. and take it or leave it. It's actually let's listen to what they want and let's you know let's adapt things and build it so that it kind of you know ticks the boxes for them.
1: No definitely and, and let's talk a little bit about global expansion, Portsmouth Football Club globally. I'm obviously working with the eyes and there's obviously former Disney um, also, uh, during obviously Michael's time there as well, uh, they acquired ESPN as well, big uh, sports streaming platform as well. How much of obviously them being involved helps to almost grow the brand uh, globally because we're seeing uh, more football clubs tap into this. So for instance, like we're seeing Inter Milan with the Chinese ownership there, growing their brand out in China as well. We see Man City with their strategy of acquiring clubs globally, uh, growing globally as well what's what's this what's the strategy for Portsmouth growing as well
0: i think it's already started i think you know with the eyes and has taken over and the ownership of the football club. Um, you know, they've obviously got a huge presence over in America. You know, and what's fantastic is they're always championing the club. So, you know, Michael's always tweeting about the football club. Um, you know, Brex getting his his Hollywood friends to to watch the game across iFollow. You know, so we've mm. you know his their celebrity friends become fans of the um, of the club, and it's a real genuine love for the football club from them as well. They genuinely you know love the football club. They love you know the football over here and you know it is for them it's they're proud to own the club so promoting it overseas in america it goes hand in hand it's very organic which is great and you know and we benefit from that as well and you know what's great about michael he's got so much energy he's got so many ideas and they're really kind of you know innovative um know exciting group of people that we work with so we love you know when they come over and we spend a week with them you know it's it's brilliant we're all buzzing afterwards because you know we brainstorm we come up with new ideas but also for me they really support the sponsorship so the university for example um michael will speak to um the vice chancellor graham on you know on a uh, every three months, um, they'll pick up the phone and have a chat and come up with new ideas as well. And he, you know, we'll also take Michael to the university and you know meet some of the students. So it works. It works really well, and he's very supportive of that. Mm. And they add, you know, they add a huge amount of value to the football club.
1: No, definitely, I think a big trend we've been seeing, uh, as you sort of mentioned over streaming platform as well. Is, is almost more football clubs tapping into doing Netflix documentaries, Amazon documentaries, you've seen Sunderland the team in, in, in the same league as you guys tapping into that as well. That's something that you guys will potentially explore to give uh, more people around the world insight into the football club and see almost see how you guys have evolved from where you were in the Premier League coming out of administration to this new path of progress.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, it's definitely something that we we've, we've discussed with um, with our owners, and obviously they you know their TV is their you know is is one of their main businesses. So yeah, they're definitely keen to do something. I think you know the the fans did something very similar. So they did um, a documentary called Our Club. So it kind of detailed. The time of the club coming out of administration, the fans taking ownership, right up to the point where where Michael kind of um, took the reins and um, continued with the journey. So I think at the moment it's probably too too close to what that you know, what, yeah what those guys. So you know maybe give us a couple of years when we get back to the Premier League, hopefully, or you know get yeah, hopefully, right yeah. to the Championship, then you know then we can kind of start start looking at that.
1: No, we definitely need Portsmouth back in the uh, back in the Premier League. Um, and um, I think one point obviously you mentioned earlier as well and that's linked to, to getting back to the big time is the whole idea of building a sustainable football club. H- how do you almost do that when getting out of, for instance, like, for instance, like you guys have been in, in League One for about your, your fourth season now, very, very tough league to get out of. Um, I was even looking the other day at the, the Deloitte Money League and it almost mentioned there how much teams spend their way to get in, getting out of the championship uh, alone. How do you build a sustainable football club when you almost want to aggressively uh, get back to the Premier League?
0: I think as well, the history of this club is that, you know, because it has gone bust and, and they went crazy on players and then suddenly the funds completely dried up, you know, the fans, yeah. the fans understand that. And, you know, although everybody wants to get promoted and that, you know, the last two seasons, we've all been discipline you know, we've been so disappointed that we haven't got promoted and we were so close, yeah, it's really frustrating. But at the same time, you know, we've got a really stable football club. So during this period, you know, we've we haven't had to kind of, you know, make staff redundant. We we've, you know, we've we've kept the core group going because we've made, you know, we've managed to make profit over the last couple of seasons. So, you know, although that profit is reinvested back into the the playing department and the players, it means that we can, you know, we are in a really good stable situation where some clubs you know it is really difficult for them at the moment with no revenue coming in so it's it's important that we that we do it sustainably rather than having an owner that you know michael could put in 10 million and and blow the league away well before the salary cap you know that there, they're <laughs> you know, touchy a subject um yeah. there is that but you wouldn't want to do it because it's not it's not how how we run our football club. You know, from day one when we were fan owned, we had to be sustainable because the fans didn't put you know didn't put any extra money in, and you know they saved the club, and we had to run it sensibly. So, you know, we, over the the last six seven years, you know the playing budget has gone up and up and up because we've managed to drive the revenues through ticket sales, season tickets, and commercial revenue, and cup runs and player sales.
1: Yeah. What What is your thoughts on the on the salary cap?
0: So um, as a club, we you know, we were against the salary cap, we voted against it. Um, I think in principle we're not against the idea of a salary cap, but to cap yeah. it at two and a half million and and basically say to you know a club like Portsmouth that we can't reinvest the money that we're, you know, we as a business are generating and earning sustainably back into our back into our fraud, um, yeah. yet yeah, another club. Who doesn't earn as much revenue can have their owner put in that extra money to get up to the two and a half million. It's un it's unfair. It's you know it's level in the playing field and that's you know that's not what we're what we're about. It should be that the you know the bigger clubs find their natural home and we believe our natural home you know Portsmouth, Sunderland, Ipswich you know those clubs should be in the in the Championship and it's about finding your you know finding your natural home and to do it you know in a, a kind of sustainable manner. We've, we, no, yeah. yeah, we, you know, we haven't had over the last six years. We've got to where our, you know, our budget is in terms of what we spend on our on our player salaries. We've done that organically. You know, we haven't had owners putting money in to reach to that point. You know, to get us up to that point, which is significantly more than than the salary cap. We've done it in a sustainable manner, and yet we're being penalised.
1: Ah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, loads of rules and regulations, eh? <laughs>
0: And it's, yeah it's tough and you know you can understand some of the smaller clubs and you know the owners that put money in that you know don't want to go on this crazy crazy race arms race you know where they keep just putting more and more money in like we do understand that and we're you know we're, we're not against the salary cap but you know we feel that there should be some tweaks that you know our ticket revenue and money that we generate and commercial revenue that that should be you know able to be reinvested back into our you know into the salary.
1: Yeah, and also talking about other revenue generating streams as well. Have you guys explored the possibility of giving Fratton Park uh, naming rights, or are you trying to hold on to the prestige and the uh, the history?
0: Yeah, that's tough. I think you know that naming rights works really well on a on a new stadium. I think an old yeah. stadium, there's so much history in Fratton Park. If we ever did it, it would almost have to be associated with or sponsored by, like we, you could never sell the naming rights for, you know, for Fratton Park and get rid of Fratton Park. There's, you know, that's what's great about this club. It's that the history of the football club and the kind of rich tapestry that that is here. And, you know, those quirky people that still work here, the quirky, uh, you know, yeah. tunnels and secret secret areas and stands where you go, oh, I never knew this existed. You know, it, those are, you know, what make this club so fantastic. And Fratton Park, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't rename Fratton Park.
1: Yeah, it's a like, I'm an Arsenal fan as well. I just compare the Emirates to Highbury all the time, I just think. Exactly. Yeah, I kind of miss those marble walls. <laughs> yeah. But um, I wanted to ask you as well, um, sort of in terms of, obviously I remember like you released that article four years ago that, that I looked into and you mentioned how you believe Portsmouth is, is really and truly a championship club which, which I agree with and um, I wanted to ask you how much does getting back into the championship or getting back into the Premier League almost 2x or 3x um, commercial revenue and, and almost make your job easy and almost like the sponsorship is almost selling for itself?
0: Yeah I think it's like the journey I think you know, over the last six years you have to have a story to tell so originally it yeah. was you know, we owned we were rebuilding the football club we we're on this journey you know then we got promoted so we were like we've got the promotion we're league one the eiseners took over new ownership you know this is the vision for the club going forward we want you know we want promotion and even last year you know we had a Wembley final you know, we won we won silverware we took it was a sellout Wembley Wembley crowd we took 45,000 fans to Wembley it was an unbelievable day like having those that's about the you know the journey that we're on and in terms of sponsorship it just into the championship it just opens up you know a whole new market of sponsors that you can you know that you can engage with because the media value is worth so much more because of the you know the televised games and the fact that the championship is is more of a you know more popular than you know than league one and two because of the coverage
1: What's your split in terms of revenue in terms of like what's the biggest generator? Broadcasting, match day, commercial I think you know, the
0: for us is you know, it's our match day yeah. ticket sales, so it's our season tickets, hospitality, um, and yeah, and ticket sales. And obviously when we, we go on cup runs, that's a huge amount. So that's really helps us in terms of um, generating more more revenue from our cup run money, which then gets reinvested into into buying players. Oh, definitely.
1: And just, just more of a word on, on yourself about your journey, obviously, uh, to becoming CCO at Portsmouth anyone who's trying to get into sport what would be your sort of advice and, and the sort of steps that you take to, to get in to, to where you are right now?
0: I always say to people you know you just need to kind of get your foot in the door and if you believe in yourself and you're good enough and you work hard you know you will get to get to the top so my journey from Portsmouth I kind of stepped in the door as, um, as a kind of um, sales executive on a three-month basis uh, three-month trial and I knew that you know, from where I'd come from, that was a massive step down, but I knew it was a fantastic club and, you know, I could see the opportunity. So I just needed to get into the door and work hard and, and, you know, work with the people here and and help drive it forward. And, you know, you've got to be resilient as well. You get knocked back so many times, but you need to be resilient and you need to keep sort of driving forward and believe in yourself as well and believe in what you're doing.
1: That's awesome. And we like to always end the podcast on a what the footy question, which is what the footy do you believe? It needs to change or happen within your space.
0: I think getting crowds back into the stadiums would uh, would definitely help us at this uh, at this moment in time. um Yeah, definitely. Try to think what else? Uh, what else? Well, for me, getting promoted yeah. would be yeah would be fantastic. This year. And also in terms of the salary cap as well. You know this this year you've got um your existing contracted players are on a divisional average. So if we can get promoted and out of the salary cap, um, you know, we'd we'd be in a very yeah. good position. And
1: hopefully getting back to the Premier League so we can see more Portsmouth Southampton games. Exactly,
0: yeah. Well we had we did have yeah, a Portsmouth yeah. Southampton game last yeah, yeah. last year which was uh yeah which was unbelievable
1: but yeah it's now time to reveal your answers to what the footy are you lying for here we go are
0: you gonna ch- are you gonna change it or are you gonna go on you oh, i hate teams?
1: when the guests come on there and try and do this am i gonna change it or? <laughs> i'm gonna stick to my to my gut so i said that you played rugby with the boys that's true you worked with a member of the royal family and the mascot one i believe is false
0: yes correct yes so I've, I've, level, I've leveled <laughs> it
1: up because i was losing 12-9 to the guests so now yeah. it's 12-12 so i'm quite happy with that actually good but yeah and our pleasure having you on today's podcast i loved going behind the scenes and finding out more about portsmouth football club loved them when they were in the premier league under harry redknapp so so much good football and yeah we want to see you guys back in the premier league want to see you guys back in the big time thank you for giving me your time uh, guys, download, subscribe, rate and review, and tell a friend. To tell a friend. Let's go. What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? New Samalladis liked me, but I didn't know it was to that Imagine extent. Being a kid in primary school, now it's <laughs> <a> important. <putting in laughs> powerful people, and I think they need to recognise that. But then also, they need to be represented the Football right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, based on you know. On Source of revenue alone, that the have you been to express lately people can't get enough of their clothes they're like insta the confidence boosters the jeans come in a temp control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather and the t-shirts hands down they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn and get this the suits have stretch and look sharp like what how do they do that Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores.
0: Keep up with Team USA with gig speeds over Wi-Fi from Xfinity. Can your internet do that?
1: Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Requires gig internet and compatible gateway. Gig speed Wi-Fi is shareable across all devices. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed.
0: Xfinity, proud partner of Team USA.